How are you? Mr. Walker, Dr. Will Walker. <laughs> You're a senior, so I'm giving you all the titles right now. So congratulations on completing grad school and welcome to Black Matter. Oh, grad school. <laughs> yeah, I'm, undergrad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Congratulations on uh, completing undergrad. How are you feeling right now? Um, I am feeling pretty good. Um, I'm somewhere between like, like, get me away from here. And yeah. like, do I really have to leave? Um, but okay, that's very, an interesting place to be. <laughs> um, very exciting time. Um, super excited to be leaving um, and ready to kind of start this next chapter of life. Yes. And so I want to um, officially welcome you to Black Matter Podcast, um, University of Richmond um, <laughs> segment. Definitely get into this tea flavor that I'm drinking today. <laughs> Read it for us. It's called white tea. Because mm-hmm. we're going to be serving some white tea today. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here for it. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you um, and your fellow comrades, students, coworkers, um, teammates of uh, students on the Black Black Student Alliance or Black Student Union? Uh, Black Student Coalition. Black Student Coalition. You know, I want to get it right. <laughs> um, I'm glad that uh, you, TJ, Kayla, uh, Akia, Shira, um, have agreed to just sit and have a critical kiki with me about um, all things University of Richmond, um, all things being black at University of Richmond, and just who you, are, who you guys are, um, you know, behind the political work and the academic work that you do at U of R. One of the reasons why I, um, you know, was in support with uh, Sylvia Gale and the CCE at University of Richmond in doing this, because, um, you know, we're on disaffiliation. So this is not right. a promo U of R conversation, right? right. Um, I think one of the reasons why I was interested in doing this is because it uh, gives y'all a chance to, you know, Share your voice, share your story, and let people see other sides of you, um, because I think oftentimes black students who are very active on campus and who call things out sometimes just get seen as only that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, what's your favorite tea flavor? You know, like, <laughs> we want to know more about you um, and also just like how you find uh, spaces of belonging at University of Richmond. Um, and beyond, um, and you know, just in general, who you are. I am interested, actually, in what your favorite tea flavor is because I love tea. So let's start um, with that. So I, um, I drink a nice. It's like a blend between green tea. Um, it's like a. It's like a lemon ginger. Okay. It's like a lemon ginger green tea. Um, I don't drink it. I used to drink it every day. I'm a tea drinker every day. I used to drink it every day, but then it got to be um, a little cumbersome. I had a 7.30 a.m. class Uh um, this past semester, so it was very difficult um, to get up with enough time to make the tea. Mm -hmm. Um, Some days I would have it, some days I didn't, uh, but it'll be the (laughs) the lemon ginger green tea um, is my go-to. Nice, nice. I'm a matcha person, so I love matcha. I also love, you know, just any type of green tea, but I also love... Um, I love black tea. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably the only person that I know that likes black tea. (laughs) Metaphorically and literally. (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, one of the reasons also why we're here is just to kind of um, demonstrate the importance of archiving things. Um, So when I talk about like archiving, like what comes to mind, especially for the work that y'all are doing? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I think it's just like, a very strategic um, keeping of documents, records, looking at major moments, um, starting points, endpoints, and sort of the the friction points um, of any movement or any sort of action or process that's going on. Um, I I too 
try to keep a little bit of an archive, um, but of course mine is a little smaller, mm -hmm. um, looking specifically at the, the, the things that I've kind of been involved in and the things that I've been um, invested in. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really creating that like a, an archive to kind of pass down to the next cohort of students. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that feels weird to say because I'm like, like, who am I? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I like what you say about kind of keeping track of like moments, because I think mm -hmm. this is a pivotal moment um, on this campus. Um, and I think that y'all are leading something that is going to create a lot of change and bring a lot of awareness to some of the blind spots that exist on this campus. And I think you know, that's part of a genealogy and a lineage of black students who have um, somehow gotten to this Absolutely. campus and then have felt that there were just a lot of blind spots and broken promises. Um, and at the same time, there's this like marketing of sorts about like what the <laughs> campus community is. And I think that students like y'all, you know, find uh, brilliant ways and very accessible ways, because I think the demands that y'all have, um, you know, conspired and listed together are are not like something that you know should not be met because they're they're basic human needs right um and so i you know we're not going to go fully into that because i think folks that are listening to this should have some kind of background knowledge about the work that the black student coalition is doing at university of richmond and if not there will be links in this uh website description for them to get caught up right um, but yeah, I just want to make sure that this moment is captured and then it's captured in a way that centers our voice, you know, that tells a story about what's happening on this campus um, from the perspective of black students and black faculty um, who, who are part of, you know, dealing with the everyday um, okie doke that happens <laughs> at U of R. That's a nice, that's a nice yeah. word you called it. <laughs> so... Um, I, I want to have this conversation. Of course, it's a critical conversation, but I want to keep it, you know, grounded with some fun and centered in, 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 you know, us just kind of sharing tea about our experiences at U of R. So I want to hear just like a little bit of a story about who you are, what you do here, um, and how you got to this place. So I'm Will. Um, as we said at the introduction, I, um, I'm graduating Sunday. Um, yeah. For context, today Oh, we got to do a little um, round of applause for that. <laughs> Congrats, Black Excellence. I think it's May 7th, uh -huh. May 8th. Today is May 7th. May 7th. Um, so I'm graduating on Sunday, um, and I'll be getting a degree, um, Bachelor of Arts in Leadership Studies. And with that degree, I really just spent the past four years um, kind of on this interdisciplinary academic journey. Yes. Um, one, to kind of find myself. Um, two, to kind of find my passions and my future. Um, and, it, and it worked out so that... Um, that future for me will be higher ed and student affairs. Mm -hmm. um, I have long-term aspirations to be a university president, but to be a very different kind of university president, kind of getting away from this sort of like corporate model um, of higher education. I was actually thinking about this um, as I was making my way to campus for the podcast today. It's like we, when we think about education, you know, we say K-12 education is a public good, mm -hmm. but then higher education is, is, product that's being sold. It, it's a very business-centered, very business-oriented market. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot about that. Um, but in terms of some other things, here at the University of Richmond, uh, over the past four years, I was actively involved in a number of different um, higher ed activities, as I call them. Um, I was in learning communities. I yes. was a resident assistant. Um, I was also a head resident. Um, I was an active Bonner Scholar. Um, I gave 10 hours a week um, to a nonprofit organization um, throughout the academic year um, and had a number of different um, summer engagements. 
um, that were all at nonprofit organizations. Um, in addition to that, I've served on a number of different committees and have really given feedback and advice to, I can't tell you how many administrators and how many faculty members, um, and I've actively advocated for students as a member of the Student Government Association, um, and have really just, you know, in the four years that I've been here, have really been or tried to be a force to be reckoned with, right? Um, really centering myself um, in within the campus community, you know, as a minority student um, with a number of different identities. I'm black, I'm queer, um, disabled in some, in some senses, um, first generation college student, um, all these look, you know, moderately, moderate, moderate to low income, all of these different um, identities and the intersections that exist between them really did um, create this sort of passion for doing something different um, here at the University of Richmond. And I think those different identities, um, I share many of the ones that you listed, I think oftentimes at this place we have to kind of like lead with those because it really does shape your experience it, on and, this campus. And, and it really does um, on this campus in particular. And I would imagine um, on several other campuses, you know, we talk about um, predominantly white institutions a lot um, in, the, in the higher ed space because unfortunately the vast majority of the yeah. colleges and universities are for white people. Um, they were built for white people and they still function they function um like there's only white people here right <laughs> yeah um and although we do have um a number of great hbcus um you know the unfortunate reality is that a number of students just don't end up there um for a number of different reasons and so you know when we come up with these identities we put those identities out there you know i think in a certain way obviously i'm proud of who i am i'm you know i'm proud you know i am not at all uh, dishonored or, or sad or feel any negative feelings about the identities that I have. But I do think that where things tend to get a little bit complicated is the fact that how we're always constantly reframing those identities, right? Um, in, in this space in particular at the University of Richmond, um, it is a campus of 3,000 students. Um, about 30, 30, 35% of the student body are students of color, um, and only about 7% of that um, are black students. So we are talking about a very, you very small. You know your stats like you're the college president already. We're, we're talking about a very, very small um, subset of groups, um, and even among that 7% of students, a vast majority of them um, are athletes. Athletes tend to function a little bit differently and socially. They function a little different socially in terms of how they're interacting and engaging with the campus community. Mm. And so there's just been a very, very distant sort of, um, I call it apathy. Like there's been a very, it's a very apathetic community. You know, they'll say, we hear, we hear the concerns, we hear the concerns and, and, and they hear us, but there's not a whole lot of action or movement towards doing something about what's been heard. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of been the, the framework that I've been in uh, for the past four years, because I think, you know, the first year, my first year here, um, this was back in 2017. I arrived to campus um, as a result of a very competitive um, summer program called LIDA, um, Leadership Enterprise for Diverse America. Um, I did a seven-week program up at Princeton University. Mm. Um, basically preparing for all of these, you know, competitive mm. college applications. You know, we're talking about schools that have two and three, four, five, you know, single digit to, to 20 and 30% acceptance rates. Um, and obviously for someone from a rural community in North Louisiana, uh, moderate to low income, 
you know, I had never once thought about coming to a school like the University of Richmond. Yeah, My best bet was going to be Northwestern State University. Um, and that was because I'd done a number of um, dual enrollment courses um, during high school. So I ended up at Richmond through this partnership with Lita. Um, and it wasn't, you know, they just have a partnership. Um, and so I would, learned a lot about Richmond, did some research, um, visit, visited campus. Um, and, and when I came to campus, I fell in love with campus. Um, obviously, it's a very beautiful campus, yeah. but they also did. Um, this was a, when I came, I was invited as part of a multicultural, of course, yeah. um, a multicultural visit experience. Um, so it was me and about 30 other uh, students well. of color. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're bright eyed, where am I going to go to school? Um, Richmond paid for, you know, they paid my pay for the flight travel. Um, yeah. So I was just showing up. There's a lot of resources to get us here. So I, right. I want to uh, move us along just a little bit, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm interested in something that you're, you're bringing up. Like, so tell me about kind of, um, you said bright eyed, like you were just really, you know, happy to be here because there's so many resources that get us here. Right. Kind of juxtaposition that with what you're doing right now. So yeah. like the work that y'all are doing now, how um, did that develop over the time that you like started at U of R? Yeah. So freshman year, we were all bright eyed, multicultural. Because <laughs> you're like, I feel like I'm mirror you're mirroring like the experience that I had. Right. It's yeah. like you do the multicultural pre-orientation and you're like, oh my goodness, there's so many black students here. There's yep. so many people like me. Um, but then and then realize, the white tea sinks right. in. <laughs> yeah. And then um and then you realize once, you know, and once the general orientation happened, everybody else, the rest of the student body got here. I think what we called it um, was the sea of whiteness. Mm. Um, those black and brown faces that you saw three days before slowly started to disappear. Because um, the, 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 the culture is very different from what the culture is very different. Um, it's, it, it's not at all. The culture that's here is not at all what it's not at all what they talk about. They don't talk about. Um, this culture, it's like a like a prevalent culture of whiteness that is like, we'll give you your time, like we'll give you your time and your space for three days, but then when the rest of the student body gets here, yeah. your your space is kind of not your space anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just been a combination of that, um, and over the years, just a constant number of things that have just added on and piled up. Um, for example, my freshman year. I paid nothing. Um, I, I took out a $5,000 loan. I didn't have to. Um, I had um, scholarship money to cover that, but I decided to spend that scholarship money on other expenses that I needed. Mm. But my, my college experience got more expensive mm. um, as, as the years progressed, despite the significant financial aid that was given to me freshman year. Mm. And, and although I did get a significant portion of financial aid, I, I was very much getting nickeled and dimed um, my sophomore and junior years. Um, my parents had to pay when my dad and I somehow found $15,000 mm -hmm. uh, my junior year um, because we were just at a point where I was a degree pursuing leadership studies. Um, I couldn't really transfer and there was nowhere else to go because those credits don't really make sense at other institutions besides the University of Richmond. Mm. Um, back in January of 2020, we had um, three racial epithets that were written um, on, on doors of students of color. Um, one of them was a really good friend of mine, um, a, a mentee of mine, actually. She ended up withdrawing from the institution. Um, she felt unsafe. She felt 
like the institution was not protecting her, like the institution was was enabling um, the sorts of the culture and, and the environments that, that, that deem that to be okay. So would you say that like, because I'm, I'm watching, I mean, folks that are listening are not here in person, but I'm watching like how animated and like enthusiastic you were when you uh, described kind of like the experience of getting here. And then I'm just like seeing that, like if this was a performance, I'm seeing right. your like, expression just, just kind of like dwindle down as you expand on like staying at U of R. And I think um, from being like, you know, I'm, I'm alum, I'm currently staff here. Um, I've done, I've taught here and I got my bachelor's here. Um, so I've seen U of R through so many levels. Basically what I'm saying is like, I have interacted with so many black folks with, mm -hmm. at U of R and I've been black at U of R in so many different ways. Right. Um, and I, I share that experience of like, there is always a lot of resource and a lot of um, attention to get us here or to get us into these programs. And then it seems like why certain students leave or why certain students, you know, get sick and tired of being sick and tired and start to organize like y'all are doing is because it's just like it kind of slaps you in the face, like it, the, it, the actual culture yeah. versus like what is um, kind of committed to to bring us here. So I, I'm interested in if you um, you and other folks that are in your community at University of Richmond, like do, how do y'all like support each other through that? And like, when does it typically happen? Like I was a transfer student, so I came from a um, just to share my story a little bit. I came from a, a school where I just was not as safe. And so I looked at this as like, this is going to be a better option for me regardless. Mm -hmm. So it created kind of like a blind spot for me where I just like wanted it to work so badly here that some of the things that you're talking about, I feel like I kind of just like suppressed and was like, well, you know, if I, uh, if I just like move over here or like move to this dorm or try this living learning community, but like you're constantly looking for that space where you will feel like, mm, I don't feel like I can completely show up here because the culture is really different than what brings us here. Yeah, it's definitely um, a huge slap in the face. I and, and It's diversity like <laughs> recruitment versus like actually, you know, being Do it, like, doing the inclusion <laughs> yeah, or being like transparent about what your right. environment is. And sometimes, you know, I think sometimes these institutions um, just from talking to y'all um, and the short conversations we've had, I think that a lot of folks who lead institutions of higher ed, and I'm not just going to say U of R, I think it's many colleges. I think that they forget that the students that they recruit and the students that they accept or bring into their university, and I hate to say accept, the students who are here, the scholars who are here are actually smart, smart, right? <laughs> like are actually street smart, are coming with a world of experience. Right. So it's like, it, it reminds me of like the film Get Out. It's like, you, or like even that, like the, that Trumpism bull mm -hmm. crap. Like it's like, look over here while I'm doing this thing. Like look over here at this beautiful building that we're doing while I'm like, you know, actively, you know, uh, perpetuating white supremacy right. on our campus. Uh, uh, and I think that they forget that like students can figure this out because you mentioned that you want to be a college president and you just like, you know, recited a type of dialogue where I'm like, yeah, you, you already understand what it takes to be in higher ed admin. And I think sometimes folks who run these institutions um, just don't understand that, like, they need to also learn from their students. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a slap in the face. Um, I think nobody, no student of color accepts their ad admittance packet and, and wants to come to an institution where they will be um, damn near forced to to be or assimilate or to force to assimilate or take on um, activism projects and social justice work and all of that. Like, like I, I think by, 
by nature of being here. Um, and and you asked like when when did we start to feel it? Like Honestly, when did it click for you? Yeah, I think we started to feel it freshman year, mm-hmm. um, the first day of full orientation when when I said that sea of whiteness kind of just appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's when it first started, but it was that the bright eyed over oh, new. Um, there's lots of things going on on campus. It's a new city. And there's we resources. Each other. There's yeah. resources. We don't have to pay for anything. Um, and, and, and this is what I'm saying. Like on this campus in particular, there's a they, they roll out all the stops for the first years. But it was when for me, at least, um, and some of my other peers, it really didn't set in until we came back. Um, for sophomore year. Um, and that was the year um, there was a new rule that was passed. Um, so anyone that wasn't invited to a Greek organization couldn't participate um, in Greek events. That that wreaked havoc um, on our social lives because at this point, none of us had cars. Um, you know, we were also poor. Um, so there was no real there was no money to go out and do things. Um, every once in a while we would go to cookout. Um, you know, we would, we would have some people drop off some alcohol or something and do something privately in our rooms, but that was every blue moon. Um, and then on top of that, I think we really, I think that sophomore year, we really, really just became super in tune, um, with the problems of the institution and how it just caters to, to white people. It's a perpetual cycle that, that really, really does not value the experiences, the, 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 the livelihoods or the cultures of, of students that are not white. Minley. You're spilling all the tea about just like the everyday experience of many black students at U of R and I and all of our experiences are very different. But, you know, I graduated with my undergrad in 2011 and you graduated in 2021. And as I said yesterday to uh, Kayla and Akia, like it is it's agitating to me, but then it's also like makes me feel very connected to y'all in a way, too, that. Um, I also think needs to be kind of critiqued because it's like, I don't want to be connected through our trauma, but unfortunately it's like, I feel connected to y'all and the experiences that you have on this campus because it mirrors a lot of what I felt when I was here, you know, just the way things have developed in terms of technology. And I think, I think black students are coming in to universities like this even more than I was and being like, no, I'm not going to accept this kind of treatment. And I think I'm, um, I was more conditioned of like some of it you kind of suppress, some of it you take, some of it you you have that kind of um, mindset. I had that mindset of like I'm just I'm just so happy to be here, so happy to have this scholarship. So let me just like try to endure these things. And I think we all have a little bit of that, but I also think that students of your class are like no, nah. you know what I mean? Like these are the demands. The building names needs to be changed. Very clear demands. Like, and I think that creates a lot of um, it creates a lot of labor that again. The folks who run this place and the folks who run institutions at large just like don't always account for. Um, and I imagine it creates a lot of tension with you also, like you're graduating, right? So I wanted to talk a little bit a little bit about like your ideas around like legacy, right? Um, and what do you think that your legacy is? Um, what is it that you want to leave behind at U of R um as like work that you did and work that you contributed to and a legacy that you've built? And also I think as you've alluded to already. What are some of the things that you want to kind of close the door on when it comes to to your experience at U of R? Like wash it away, not looking back, you know, like 
the like for me it's like the false advertisement of um of diversity and inclusion like i i love that meme of oprah where they're like will you be on the diversity and inclusion committee and she's like and her hands are just up like nope because <laughs> not another black person wants to be asked to be on the diversity and inclusion committee because we know that like that work often is created to be a very slow moving train that exhausts a certain group of people um, while also creating these kind of like false promises. I'm going to start with what I'm closing the door to because I think we're on the same page. Let me give you a little um, sound effect for closing the door. <laughs> I, um, I too am closing the door um, to all of this kind of false narratives about diversity, equity, um, and inclusion. And this kind of comes at... Um, they become big buzzwords. Right, like they're huge buzzwords. And, and, and all these institutions have all these plans and all these committees. But when you look at the work that the committees are doing... Um, and it's not the committees that aren't doing the work. The committees are doing the work, but they don't have the power um, to enact their work or the recommendations that they're making or the proposals that they're putting out there um, are ignored or deprioritized or things like that. So we have all of these committees and all of these black and brown folks that are doing all of this labor and 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 it effectively leads to little to nothing being actually done. I mean, and you can make that point through just the shared experience that you and I have of like, I'm understanding so much what you're saying in this conversation because I have had these same conversations with student Tory in my class, which was nearly 10 years ago. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that should be a major like wake up call of like, okay, we need to like accelerate this. As I've been told by my mentors, like everything in higher ed moves so slow, but I also think that that needs to be called out because I think that's a part of a white supremacist um, functioning of things. Yeah, it's like when move is so slow so that they don't even have, that it's a fundamental part of the structure. Yes. Um, when come when, on, Will. When <laughs> when you've created a structure that makes it so that it takes so long to, to get change. something done, maybe you should change the structure. Tell yeah. me how you've experienced this kind of um, structure of things, or how have you gotten to these conclusions of what you're closing the door to from the work that y'all are doing right now in the Black Student Coalition? So my my first engagement with. Um, with this work was sophomore year. I, I, you know, I was feeling that I didn't belong um, and feeling those negative side effects. I had a conversation um, with the director, or not the director, he's the vice president of student development, Dr. Steve Bassesi. I met with him. Um, basically, I'm like, so what is the institution doing um, to address these concerns that, that are being out there? I had published um, all right, I guess I said that was my first big thing. I take that back. My first big thing was the spring of my freshman year, um, I had published an opinion piece in the Collegian, um, basically calling donor relations out for the way that they asked black students and students of color who'd received grant aid to come to um, those galas to and come sit to the with, yeah. galas and say, thank you. They could just check on their investment. Right, I had and, to do that and, and be little display pieces for, you know, these rich men and kind of give us like little, um, subtle ways of what we should right. wear. Like, let's let, here's what you wear. If you mm -hmm. need something, here's a fun for you. I love that you brought um, that up. And Those things were really uncomfortable. They made me feel like I was like a hoe on display. And I mean, I look, I didn't go to mine. I, I raised so much hell about it um, because they were asking me to skip class. I, they were like, oh, you can skip class. Yeah. My, one of my friends um, who transferred, actually. And she, they just come to look at you and check like, you they out. They come to look at you. It's like trauma. It's like, oh, well, tell us 
the questions we had to fill out these little questions and they were like well what were you doing before you got to the university of richmond and how would you say your scholarship money has improved your life or what are you currently doing and it's just like the, like you're trying to it's very awkward to, to pin this narrative of who i am and where i'm coming from to appease white people who don't even know me and i i took a lot of heat for it but it was fine because i'm just like it like I, it's not that i can't say thank you it's that i i won't say thank you to someone in who, this very forced and curated in this way forced curated in a way that is not very meaningful so you're closing the door to those get out s yes, kind of like like gala literally yeah. i'm like i i'm not coming to entertain and i think you know when let's just connect on our student experience for a second one of the things also that made me really uncomfortable about those kinds of events is that um the staff that's like working the event is predominantly black so like you're oh, in goodness. yeah that was the weird part is like you're, you're in this it's, it's the, that that that's the get out moment <laughs> that is the get out moment when you're like holy shit i'm at this privileged institution in this suit that they bought me and and i'm being served and you're making eye contact with like auntie who's serving the food and you're like get me out of here right like <laughs> help me yeah those so we're, we're definitely closing, closing the, the door, door to um to all of that anything else and in terms of the legacy that i'm leaving um i definitely want to say that i i'm leaving like uh, i feel that i've kind of cultivated or created a culture probably more cultivated than around created. speaking your truth for sure speaking the truth and and not being afraid to like to be bold and to be out there i i made my my debut um <laughs> on campus as as i call it in 2017 i started as a tour guide and 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 being on the inside of the admissions building kind of just led me to all these different functional areas of the institution and and, and in doing so i've never been afraid to like like no that's wrong like yeah. no you don't need to do that and and i've made those opinions public in in publications here for the collegian and in national publications like forbes i'm an inside hire and and i've also you know engaged um different administrators and faculty members on campus people know where i stand people know where my peers and where my allies stand and and i think that that is something that is worthwhile and i love that you've mentioned that you have developed a, your own voice to kind of call things out and you don't rely on the university to like circulate that voice. Like I think it's really important for students um, black who experience marginalization in any form on whether it's in your workplace or on your campus to recognize that like your voice can be, you know, utilized in other spaces, like right. for you to write articles for Forbes and other um, publications. I think it's good because I think that, you know, you're connecting to a larger body of folks that probably have experienced what you're going through in a way. And also it's just letting, you, it's reminding us that like we don't have to you know just stay within the university right and and i also like to i also like to think about this sort of uh um this just establishment of like a communal dialogue yeah it's not like a peer-to-peer -peer, let's talk, you know like the pieces are out there the articles are out there the experiences are out there and so they do create these kind of conversations about like oh you know, and even if they're framed like, holy shit, Will wrote another article and like, wow, Will is dragging us. Even even from that perspective, it does create these sorts of conversations for administrators mm -hmm. and students that are having those experiences because it's like, no, Will, you know, again, the 2017 article with donor relations, Will was like, holy shit, like, no, that needed to be said. I feel the exact same way. Oh, and, in, right. and in the group chat that we had at the time, like that was a big conversation. I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm it's not saying it's thank just you. Weird, like, man. like it, like it really does. Um, when when somebody is bold and when somebody is big and brave enough to go out there and do that, it really does create um, a community 
for change. I'm a community for action. So when you talk about um, the things that you are closing the door to and like, you know, getting rid of as you leave this campus um, and transition to alum and, and whatever else you're doing afterwards. I wish you the best of luck, of course. And I think you're going to do brilliant. Um, I would work at the university that you're president for. Um, how do you think that you have also found alternatives to kind of the sh- some of these shortcomings at U of R that you talk about? So maybe this is a place where you tell the audience about um, experiences off campus that have helped you build community or ways that you've, you know, um, connected with folks who also don't feel like they have that full sense of belonging here and also just like how you have connected to Richmond at large. I have not had the chance to be off campus um, as much as I would have liked, um, mm. but I did have that experience um, the summer of 2020. Um, this was the, the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was downtown in the city of Richmond and, and I lived there for three months and just being away from this space and, and sorry, and this is being, a podcast. We, can, we eat on this podcast <laughs> and being just being away from the university of Richmond and being in a different space really did, um, have a positive effect. I, you know, to make those connections, I reached out, um, to a number of different students that were here. Um, and we kind of formed our own little groups. We, we have our very close circles, um, and although they are not as big as we'd like them to be, we did find um, each other and we do support each other through um, those negative moments and those negative experiences. Um, I've also, um, because I've kind of just been in a very weird, um, being an RA, you're a student staff member, so you get the student experience, but you also get a little bit of the, the staff administrative side and a little bit of the tea there. So just being in you, those. You strike me as someone that really likes to see the ins and outs of institutions while you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And so just being being that student staff member really did give me an opportunity to connect um, to a lot of administrators and faculty members and staff members, colleagues. Um, feels weird to call them that, um, but that's probably the best term for that is, is in, and just having those conversations with them and, and finding those allies in in the community that's at the institution. It's like, you know, it's like I, for the four years that I was here, did not have a whole lot of friends. Um, I did not spend a whole lot of time with a, with a, with a big group of people, um, but I did have a lot of meaningful um, conversations with administrators. I did have a whole hell of a lot of fun because um, I t- sometimes activism is fun. I had a hell of a lot yes. of fun. Tell us about um, that. I had a hell of a lot of fun digging into the history of this institution and combing through and doing that the, with, the, with data community. points and yeah. doing that with the intent of like, well, this is how we fix or this is how we change the community. This is how we create um, an environment where, where people like me or my friends and, and, and my younger siblings, you know, when, you, when you're an alum, I have two younger siblings that are about to graduate high school. You, I'm very much thinking about the sort of institution that I want them to be able to attend. And it's not the University of Richmond right now. So how do you navigate like that either lack of or just like establishing that sense of belonging here? It seems like you've you found a sense of belonging through one working with folks that you feel in community with and kind of like blurring the line between student and teacher and like, you know, learning and working with your peers and also teaching um, your peers as well. Yeah. So for me, um, I that line um, is very, very blurry. Um, I oftentimes have felt that I don't belong here, but at the same time, I have found belonging to different parts 
um, of the institution, different parts and portions, if we could take it and split it, if we could take it and split it, there would be some things that, that I'm like, yes, I, I want to be associated with that. I want to be engaged in that. I want to be involved with that. Um, but there are obviously other parts that I think that take um, a bigger portion of the pie that are like, nah. I, yeah, I think I, if you have something that keeps you kind of like seeing the bigger picture of Richmond, um, while University of Richmond is figuring out their stuff, right. then I think as a black student there, here, it, it may help. Like for me, it was Bonner. I was able. Yeah, there there have definitely been some really grounding um, experiences and some really grounding resources that have um, kept my head above the water. Um, I don't want to say we were drowning, um, but it, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it got we were hard, drowning. Yeah. Sometimes we were drowning, but you know, we it was drowning never, and just like right, the work or, or the the sense of the, the drowning in the work, drowning in the lack of community. Just like like sophomore year um, was a really really rough year um, for me and a lot of my friends. Um, that was the year that several of them um, left. Mm. And they took years off, they transferred to other institutions, or they called it quits with, with the college degree altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a really, really hard year. Um, I had spent most of that year, um, I was probably spending $80, $90 a, a week um, on alcohol at that point. Like, it was a really, really bad um, experience. And so there was just all of these different, like, how do we cope? Mm-hmm. You know, there, it wasn't about how do we take care of ourselves or how do we create you know, environment. It was like, how do we survive? Yeah. Um, so we were surviving, and then I think once we got grounded in our survival, um, I think we figured out these ways and mechanisms of okay, this is how I exist. Um, and 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 for some, for me at least, that was getting involved and getting engaged in the work and doing the research and digging through, um, making connections with 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 key players, um, key stakeholders on campus and, and really using that as a base, I kind of created this, um, my own narrative, my own path of, yeah. of how I'm going to, to exist. So it seems um, like the, 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 the involvement that you um, developed at U of R as a result of like seeing a lot of these blind spots is kind of what gave you um, your own power to kind of establish mm-hmm. a sense of belonging is what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, and you made, I mean, cause it seems like y'all have like made friends um, through doing this work together right. that um, happens to just be work that, you know, is political and calls out, you know, the BS, which is, which is good. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot of folks on campus um, and on campuses across the country is like, Oh, they don't need to do that. Or that's not the right way to go about it. Um, but one, I think we have, our communities of change um, is what I'm going to call them. Our communities of change. We have community um, among those communities of change, and 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 from where I'm sitting, I think we're pretty pretty damn effective mm-hmm. um, at 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 getting that change that we want. And and to me, that that matters a lot more than what some administrator or what some person that's kind of stuck in a system that is not working yeah. um, or not working for the people it needs to be working for, yeah. um, you know, uh, to me that, that, that community of change and the work that we're doing means a lot more than, than, than the efforts or the opinions of, of a broken system. All of y'all have listed you know, so clearly the labor that you have engaged in to um, in turn make this campus better. And even if it doesn't make it better for y'all who are mm-hmm. graduating, you have decided very early on in your college experience that you don't think that black students should experience some of the things that you've had to 
experience, navigate, and find alternatives to. And I think that as black folks, like we all create alternative world sometimes because the current world, whether it be the college campus, the job, um, some for some of us, our, our home environment, like it may not always see our full humanity. And so we often go into these spaces like institutions of higher learning and realize like hmm, I can create an alternative world. And that's a little like sci-fi, but it's, it's I love to talk to people about just the way that we world make. Um, I think that's the perfect way to describe it, actually. You've created, I, yeah, y'all are creating I, I, a new I think world. we've literally created different types of, like, I, in my head, in my head. You're not here. I'm not here. <laughs> I Literally, I, I'm not here. I understand I'm, that. I'm in a place where students of color are thriving on their campuses, where they're not yes. subjected to racism. and Because if you don't know how to see that world, it's really hard to work. Right. You work, can't, like, that. I, and I mean, I had to create that world to really get dedicated to the missions and then the passions that I'm interested in. I had to create that world because it was just the only way I've survived. And I love that all of y'all have done it um, in community. Y'all came into this work recognizing, like, we have to delegate tasks. We have to do it together. We have to hold time to just like kiki and chill together. Like mm -hmm. we have to get to know each other. Um, we have to wrestle with some of the issues that we experience um, through our individual bodies because black people are not a monolith. Like I think you've really created a very nuanced way of like saying to this university, these are the demands, right? Like supporting right. black folks with, um, uh, in terms of mental health um, because we know that there's just like a lack of campus resources to really like kind of, give that full wraparound service of what you deserve in terms of mental health. Um, like having waiting lists to get into counseling and all that stuff is crazy to me. all that work that y'all have done what do you feel is owed to students <laughs> because of your invisible labor and when i talk about visible labor it's what you mentioned it's just this the stuff that y'all are doing that allows you to not be seen as a student like you some of your student experience is stripped away because of how you have to go into you know activist mode and call things out that administrators may not see you know the system is hard for us too like how right. immersed we are as black faculty and just like trying to keep our head above water and get tenure and those kinds of things and battling white supremacy at that level um there's blind spots everywhere right and so what is owed to students because of your invisible labor and also this question makes me think a little bit about about like reparations um, yeah and what could these institutions give y'all like right now I, I right now um i i so, and this is in no particular order, um, cash. I, I, I don't think there's a person alive that will tell you that we don't need money. Like, you know, and, and maybe it's not a lot of money. I understand that institutions are kind of strapped. Um, you know, they, they have expenses and with COVID, you, they obviously don't have as much money as they used to. But that, to me, that's no excuse for, for basically four what, three and a half years, depending on how you quantify it, three and a half, four years of free labor um, that the institution has gotten out of us. And, and I don't even know that it's free. Um, it's free for them, but not, it, it comes at the expense of our, our mental health, at the expense of our health, at the expense of our, um, you know, like I said, nobody wants to be an activist on a campus that is supposed to See include you. them or, or make them feel welcome. That's not what we... I didn't, I didn't come to the University of Richmond to be a staff member. 
mm. to, 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 to participate and, and do committee labor and to do, do committee work. I came here to learn um, about the different things that I wanted to learn about. And, and it just so happened that the, the, to do that, I had to get involved and get engaged. But that goes well beyond the scope of, of the experiential learning experience. Something that um, you know, needs to be compensated for, because I, I think so many times I, I meet students like you and some, some faculty, black faculty in particular, that are just, you know, we're always doing more than what our role is. Right. Because and it's like we don't have a choice. We, we don't have a choice because if it's not us, who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. If, 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 if we're not on the DEI committees, if we're not on the student governments, if we're not on the legislative bodies, the work and, and the actions that benefit us won't come to existence. They won't exist. How will this uh, elevate you in terms of where you're going after U of R? Because I, I hear in your tone that like you're not interested in, you know, doing the multiculturalism thing where you're teaching people how to see us or you're teaching institutions like this is what racism is. Like you sound like you're you're ready to like, you know, change this, change that. Let's get the work done. So right. It, to, to me, how is this experience? Um, I guess, uh, shape the way that you are thinking about what you're going to do after U of R. Yeah, it's about policy and practice for yes, me. Yes, um, it, it, it's, it's, and, and I explored this a little bit in my um, honors thesis. It's about literally taking the words, the, the words that are in the university documents, you know, literally learning the institution from inside out and, and, and structurally changing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you change policies, and, and when the policies change, that means practices change. That means you take action to- and culture to shift. Culture changes, shifts, you know, all these different shifts happen, and, and I think there's a lot of institutions that are terrified. Mm-hmm. They're terrified of this cultural change, but it's like you look at um, other institutions, the older institutions, I, you know, for context, um, Indiana University is a two two or three hundred year old institution. They've renamed buildings hundreds of times. They rename buildings regularly at this point, whereas Richmond is very much like, well, what do we do with our buildings? You know, we don't want to diminish legacies. We don't want to do this or we don't want to do that. But that's that's maybe we shouldn't think about it as diminishing legacies. Maybe we should think about it as rewriting the future. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should think about it as as paving a path towards something that's different and, and embracing and accepting that change because whether we like it or not, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Period. Like it, yeah. it's coming. Like yeah. we, you can look at the stats for the U S census bureau. You can look at stats from the, mm-hmm. uh, the national center for educational statistics. You can look at all these different charts and metrics and, 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 and the reality is that so institutions, the, the, the society is becoming more diverse and more culturally aware and, and, and higher education institutions are not going to be immune from that. Period. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that we're seeing this cultural shift and it's not just because of the wake up call that was 2020 for some people, because as black folks, like we have been in a <laughs> pandemic since birth. Right. So we have understood that, like, you know, it shouldn't take something like COVID-19 to get these institutions to be like, oh, now we want to start listening about how to make ourselves anti-racist, but still being very slow about the practice. And I think that um, you say very clearly something that I feel as well, even as, as a, on the faculty side of just like, I don't want to work for a place that, um, one, I have to always tie what my work is to kind of fit within their own definitions of diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion, and anti-racism, because it's like, you can't make them too uncomfortable or you won't elevate. Right. Um, and at the same time, it's like, that is so, um, just not what I am, as you said, it's just like not what I am here to do. Um, and whether they see that or not, 
they will because their things are changing, things are shifting. And right, I think no that the folks that, in power are just very nervous about those change, but that doesn't matter because it's like you won't be in power forever. No one no one can authentically exist on a campus community where they're forced to to reframe or rethink about or re, to, to, to redefine their existence to fit into the narrative of oh. what the institution wants them to and be. And it's, it's exhausting. And that what, that's what leads to you know lack of persistence for black students and black faculty who either move on or transfer. Because we just, I think time is just different in white world and black world. Like, I don't look at my life as like, I have all this time so I can just like help this, this slow moving train, like, you know, figure out what the next track is. It's like, as you said, policies and practices have to change so that we can move on with the real work. Right. What do you plan to do after, after all of this? So the three demands are still, what were we going to say, pending? The Again, first three. The first three. <laughs> <laughs> the first, well, well, I think we got one. So we got our pass fail option. Yeah. So um, for me, I I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Good. Um, a well-deserved break. As you should. Um, and then I'm going to dive back in. I'm still disaffiliated from the institution until yep. the demands are met. And, and but, you know. Let's be clear about that. Let, let's be clear. I'm like. This uh, is Black Matter Podcast. Now the libations are sponsored by the institution. <laughs> but this is my podcast. <laughs> Right, like let's, we let, are not let's, promoting. Let's be clear: yeah. this is not something that's going to be. We need to do one of yeah. by the institution. We need to do one of those like PSA messages. Like um, this message is to inform all white folks listening that this is not a promo episode for the University of Richmond Multiculturalism Kumbaya Movement. We are two black folks sitting and kicking on our own time and own terms. Literally. <laughs> so this episode will say and all the things that we want because <laughs> it's our show. But yeah, I um after that break, I um I do have plans to to stay actively engaged with a few administrators mm. um and and some board members as well. Um, so you're gonna be a, a alumni that's like, look, I'm still here, yeah, still I, queer, I, and I, still I, black. Yeah, I, I think that um I think that a lot of times that is what administrators and board members that they they depend on that they depend on us graduating and saying fuck that like. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm on the different things, but I'm like, no, that's not going to be me. And I hope that you turn. I hope that this um, really helps you kind of elevate into um, seeing the kind of higher ed administrator that you don't want to be. Right. You and, know? and I also think coming at this from an alumni perspective um, or staying, in, you know, staying engaged with the movement as an alumni, as an alumni, as an alumni, mm-hmm. um, really chose the administrators and and here I'm talking about board members um, in particular, because I think a lot of for this institution in particular, I think a lot of that structural change um, needs to happen at the highest level of leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the managers of the institution can do whatever they want, but until the board, um, the people who are making the policies, the people who are, are managing the managers um, until they're all on the same page, I don't think there will be much change. So I, my, my focal point will really be to, to, to be engaged and, and, and to stay engaged with the board um, and to hold the board accountable. Um, there's nobody else. Um, and obviously there are some other people that are doing that. Um, but if, if there's nobody else besides us doing it, I, I'm happy to be the ones that are, you know, no board, you're a board that is composed of 20 something white people. You have three people of color. One of them is the president of the institution who has no voting power. And, out, and who's outgoing. And he's outgoing. Yeah. Um, and you just hired a, a white man um, to, to fill that role. Um, 
um, and and you have no faculty representation on on your board. You have no alumni representation. Um, and by alumni here, I mean current alumni. I'm yeah. talking like past five years, <laughs> not these people who graduated from the institution and are trying before. To uphold, right. Yeah. We're talking about people who graduated from the institution before it integrated. Mm, um, Jesus. We're yeah. talking about alumni who didn't go to undergrad here. They came to Richmond for graduate programs. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a it's a really cool. It's a that's a good nuance that you're bringing up. That's cool. But this is an undergraduate focused institution. <laughs> okay. I, I, I I don't know what the grad students do here, but there's not much it's like, many uh, resources available for them. Excuse me, all the Caucasians in the back, they don't represent us. Right. We're talking about a board whose membership. Uh, you look at the things that these board members are doing. It's like, oh, I'm a private equity investor. I I'm a capital manager. We're, we're talking about people who who don't understand mm. emotions and don't have the intellectual who, capability right, like to handle these issues. Right. Their focus is money. Their mm. focus is business operations. And, and in some contexts, that's good, I guess. But in another context, when you're talking about dealing with people's emotions and dealing with people's experiences belonging and, and, and belonging and, and, so, and social psychological in the ways that you can't advertise. Right. Yeah. Well, we're talking or about monetize. social psychological phenomena, your business expertise or your business ideologies don't have much. They're, yeah, they're not worth much of anything. I mean, I, you're right. So we wrap up that. The big, one of the biggest blind spots is that these institutions forget how brilliant and, you know, wise and worldly experience black students that are here are. And see, um, that's the shit that pisses me off because <laughs> the, the, the institution and the board will hire all of these people. There's certain positions that require board approval. They hire all these people to do this work, but then they don't listen to those people. I'm like, you don't need, and, and it pisses because what they do is they hire these expensive consulting firms and all these companies oh, to I come know. in and yeah. they spend millions of dollars to get a report that says the same thing that students have been saying for the past 50 years. Like you didn't need to spend $2 million on a consulting agency to tell you that black students feel that they don't belong here. Like I, we, language we, of the elite. Look, Look at the collegiate articles that have been published. Look at the race and racism project. Look at the experiences that students are having on campus right now. Like you don't need, I, hell, I could have told you that we don't belong here and that's free. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally feel that. Next for you, Sunday is coming. You're graduating. I, I hear that you um, are going to be taking this break. So I want to just, you know, close us out with just like some of your future, your future dreams. Will Will is going to try to finish writing this book yes. that he started um, a long time ago. Um, Will it, is determined. <laughs> and it's funny. Author, political. What's your Twitter handle? Author, <laughs> political activist, <laughs> Black Student Coalition. Um, I, um, what's your role in the Black Student Coalition? Are you the um, board of trustee on the Black Student Coalition? Maybe. <laughs> I, um, I, board president. My, uh, my, my bio is, uh, full time, part-time professional, full-time mess. Okay. Is, is, is what my title I'm is. I'm the reverse. <laughs> <laughs> is what my title is on Twitter. Nice. Um, that's my professional social media. And I'm going to try to finish writing this book. Um, that's been a hard process because when I started writing it, I didn't know that I was writing a book. Um, and it's kind of. I think it'll, it, it's just a big reflection um, on the experience that I've had as a student um, at the University of Richmond and some of the experiences that I've heard about um, from other students and kind of observed and seen from the different roles that I've had. Um, and then I'm also um, at some point going to do 
um, an official launch for um, my creative agency thing. Yes. Um, it's called Walker Boyd Creative. Um, it's a play. Walker Boyd is not a real person. It's just a play on my name. Um, my middle name is Boyd. I mean, it just sounds really cool. It's cute, yeah. Also, just some reading. Um, do some reading for me. I think I've spent a lot of time, yeah. um, you know, reading a bunch of stuff for classes that that I needed to read for the class, but aren't necessarily what I'm interested in, or not necessarily connected to my passions or my interests. I want to read yeah. for me. There's such a distinction between pleasure reading and reading for your soul. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what gets done this summer. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going uh, geographically? Um, so I'll be here in Richmond um, until the end of Jaloon, Jaloon. <laughs> the end of June, early July. Um, and then I'll be headed um, up to Bloomington, Indiana um, to pursue a master's program in higher ed and student affairs at going Indiana right University back in. Bloomington. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm diving back in, um, but with a little bit of a different um, focus. You know, now now I am... I'm student, but scholar. I'm student scholar. You already are our scholar. Um, I am scholar. Yes. But I'm excited but, to bring you on the Black Matter season, you know, five or whatever, and hear the tea about, well, wait, hear the white tea <laughs> about Indiana University. That's where you're going, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have you know some it's tea. there. Then. It's everywhere. I thank you so much for coming on this show. You are a brilliant, brilliant, young, driven black man. I love that you came on the show. Yes, you're going to do higher ed administration, but I see the book coming. I see all kinds of other things for you. And I think that it's great that you've been able to preserve um, your goals and your, you know, your personal goals and your personal journey um, as you do this critical work at the University of Richmond. And I've learned from you, so I appreciate you. And I hope that um, they get their stuff together. But <laughs> Sunday is here for you. You are graduating. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving whether they want me to or not. <laughs> yeah. and, and nothing's going to stop them yeah. from sending me my diploma. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy for you. And I think that... Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing, but also like preserve yourself and rest and pleasure read when you want to. And like, you know, just always make space for that joy, because I think that's so important, um, especially when you are so involved in the ways that uh, y'all have been. Perfect. Thank you so much for having yes, me. Yes, this is awesome. My Twitter. Okay. I What is my Twitter? I am Will B. Walker Jr. on Twitter, just like that. Will B. Walker Jr. Um, and then you could also email me um, <laughs> at walker wb at iu.edu nice thank you so much for coming on the show will this is another episode of black matter podcast the u of r white tea edition (laughs) (laughs) bye y'all i love that (laughs) 